Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. It is a new Wisconsin, and we're uh, all very excited here at the Battleground Wisconsin, and uh, we have our full panel to celebrate what was obviously a very exciting election day. Uh, Rebecca Lynch is here from the Wisconsin Working Families Party. Rebecca, great to have you. So great to be here, Matt. Yes, it is. <laughs> And Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action, is with us. Robert? Uh, good day, everyone, and I mean it this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No polls to talk about today, Robert. We have the official poll. The actual uh, poll. Yes. yes. Well, we will say, uh, in defense of Marquette, they were obviously right on this time about it being close. Robert, no more. Because we need to get right to introducing, uh, we have a special guest with us uh, this week. Uh, to talk about the election, and that is Anita Johnson. Anita is a former organizer here at Citizen Action, and she now uh, works for Vote Riders. Anita, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be here this morning. We want to talk about a lawsuit that Anita was involved in that played a critical role in the election victories of Tony Evers and Josh Call, um, and that was around expanding early voting. Robert, you're you're our uh, expert on this uh, lawsuit, but functionally, uh, along with Anita, since Anita was a plaintiff in the lawsuit and, and Citizen Action and yeah. testified, right? So Citizen Action and Anita were co-complainants along with One Wisconsin Now Institute, if I'm correct. Yes, and there were some other individual plaintiffs as well. Some of them are members as well. And it, it also went after photo ID, but the part we won, and the case is actually technically still live, is to strike out Walker's restrictions in early voting. So therefore, it was a divine irony that Milwaukee early votes uh, put Tony Evers over the top and ended Scott Walker's gubernatorial career uh, Tuesday night. So, Anita, we're thrilled to have you. And you continue this work in terms of trying to get people IDs and do all, do all of this in this election cycle. Yes, I cycle. continue. Uh, an added job on was with Souls to the Polls. And as you well know, um, I'm not a stranger to going into churches on Sunday morning. And since May, I have been going into churches to encourage uh, the parishioners to early vote. I can reach 300 to 500 people a day, encouraging them to vote early. I went into churches where there were less than 10 people. The ideal is to talk to everyone to get the message out, and it worked. Yeah. What happened, and I think most of uh, our listeners are aware, right, election night, it appeared as if Evers might lose very narrowly, and then we found out that the city of Milwaukee still had not counted all of these early ballots, of which there was tens of thousands of ballots. And uh, overwhelmingly, uh, almost 80% for, for Evers and for Josh Call, which led to the margins of victory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? When you get the pastor or the minister or the rabbi to support what you say when you go to the church on Sunday morning, it means a lot. When I was given 10 minutes to talk about photo ID, because people are still very confused about photo ID. A lot of people still think that it's a voter's card. It is not a voter's card. It is what it is, a photo ID, state ID, driver's license, passport, and what have you. And the ministers would give me 10 minutes to speak about the photo ID 
and the importance of early voting. On Sunday, uh, the Jewish community canvassed with me in the rain, and we canvassed over at the Mill Road Library. Well, when we all got wet, we came back to Mill Road. People were still coming in from church to vote. And I said to one of the women, I said, are you coming from church? She says, yes. Our minister told us that we need to go straight to the polls and vote. First of all, I want to thank you so much for the work that you continue to do and we're doing this year. But the work that led up to this, and it's been your consistent work in churches, in the community, and actually finding out, you know, finding out that we had to put so much time and put you on helping talk to people that even allowed this lawsuit to go forward. So when, when I was sitting there election night and I heard that those ballots were out there, you were one of the first people that popped into my head. Thank you. Was, was <laughs> Thank thinking you. about you know, how critical this was and how they had greatly constrained the early vote period and what that means for a city like Milwaukee, where a lot of folks maybe on election day can't get out. So uh, absolutely not, not critical. Not only did we get early voting back, but we extended the locations. Correct. Center Street Library, Mill Road Library. There were a couple of uh, uh, locations on the south side. Look, this has not been an easy job. I feel that now some of the things are hitting their pocketbooks. They're hitting their health. And so now they understand about the power of a vote. And that was the most important thing to me. Again, Anita, thank you so much for You're the welcome. work you do. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I don't know if you have any other final thoughts before, uh, before you leave us today. <laughs> the fight has only started to begin. We have to continue encouraging people to work in democracy. And that is not going to be an easy job. We need to stay on these elected officials and make sure they do what we put them in office to do. We are the people. The people tell the politicians what to do, not politicians telling us what to do. So let's continue our hard work. Well, thank you so much. We'll continue the hard work. We agree. And by the way, things aren't perfect. We need to continue to expand early voting access, expand uh, the uh, amount of folks who are able to vote. Thank you so much, Anita Johnson. You're welcome. So huge victory this week, and I wanted to transition into a broader conversation. What I'm hoping we could do is, is talk a little bit about you, your sort of top takeaways, top sort of big victories are, then also talk a little bit about maybe some missed opportunities, and then I do want us uh, to talk about the reality going forward we, in terms of winning the governors but not having the legislature and what that means going forward and what we should be looking forward to uh, both in the budget and going forward. Kind of follow up on our previous conversation about what we ought to be doing as progressives. And we'll also be joined in the uh, show by Robin Vining, who as of the recording we just found out, she uh, has won. She is the only I believe, pick up in the state legislature that Democrats had. We'll talk more about that. And we'll also be joined also by Jeff Smith, our citizen action organizer who won his race for state Senate in western Wisconsin. So, Rebecca, I'm going to start with you. What is your top takeaway, obviously, besides the big wins? Just the top top? You want the top top? Uh, whatever you want. <laughs> so whatever for you. I would just say, you know, in the last year in Wisconsin, we have gotten rid of Sheriff David Clark, Governor Scott Walker, and Speaker Paul Ryan. Yep. So that is not too shabby for one year. And of, Schimmel. 
and and Brad Schimmel, yep. which is a huge win. Uh, and having you know Josh Call as AG is going to really change the state, and it's going to, as we talk about all the time in the show, that's a huge race. So that is not too shabby. Oh, for, can I add one yeah. friendly amendment? Yeah, we had someone try to eliminate themselves, Adam Check, fail, then actually eliminate himself in state assembly by Robin Vinings. <laughs> yeah, just a little added twist there. <laughs> yeah, and we, and we can't talk about last night's wins without talking about Citizen Action Co-op member Sarah Godlewski, yes. who first in the spring saved the seat and <laughs> yeah, when right. Ademchik tried to eliminate himself, and then now is, is, is our state treasurer, and that's yeah. incredible, truly remarkable. Um, I know we are going to talk to Robin Vining later, but that's a huge win. I mean, I, you know, I think it's something that you know we'll all talk about um, We'll come together after the election. We'll do a debrief. We'll figure out how to how to strategize moving forward. But the only legislative seat in the Assembly or Senate to flip from red to blue was Working Families Party candidate Robin Vining. I know you guys were supportive of her. You did a lot of work um, for her and in her district with Julie Henze. We did a big WFP canvas for Robin. Yep. Kelda Helen Royce came down uh, from Madison and launched that canvas along with Ingrid Henry from uh, the MTEA and a ton of MTEA members. It was at the home of an MTEA activist and it was a really wonderful day. And when I saw Robin uh, on election eve, she was knocking on doors in the dark, in the rain and the cold and fell and kept knocking on doors. And then when she was finally done, swung by her office and I just couldn't be happier. But we'll talk more about Robin later. So those are my top yeah, takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, you. Well, first, I think everyone should be very happy for a change in Wisconsin that we actually, I mean, we will talk about what happened with the gerrymandered legislature, but to win every constitutional office is huge, even if this close. And think about this, the spending we have a post Citizens United world now was astronomical. Some insiders told me I was crazy when I said in an op-ed last year that Walker and the dark money groups together would spend over 50 million uh, to reelect him. They spent more than that. And, and you, we, we don't even know how to count the issue, the fake issue ads, which are really election ads. So in terms of direct spending, uh, Walker spent three to one more than uh, Evers. So all of the force of right-wing billionaires and corporate money came in on the side of Walker. It was an endless pummeling of Evers through mail and everything else. And we still won. And we won on an issue. So how you win matters. It wasn't about some sort of petty scandal about Scott Walker doing something wrong that had nothing to do with the direction of the state. It was health care. And it was so overwhelmingly health care in the exit polls where it was the top issue by 22 points. And, you know, your most mainline pundits have to say it's health care. And this is true nationally as well. Pre-existing conditions was the lead wedge. And we have been arguing for that being the lead election issue and doing it ourselves with our limited budget citizen action since 2012. And that proved to be correct, so much so that Walker flip-flopped near the end of the election and attempted to embrace the Affordable Care Act. The other thing, and this is what Democrats and, and, and Governor Evers and the people he's hiring up right now need to think about is 67% in the exit polls don't just want some change in health care. They want significant change in the health care system. So there is a mandate, and the mandate is to actually do dram dramatically increase uh, coverage and reduce the cost of health care. To do that, you're going to have to break some eggs. I'm telling you, the hospitals, uh, the insurance companies, uh, the medical society, for example, which often functions more like a trade group than actually looking at, out uh, for the health for, for the interest of patients, unfortunately. Not all doctors. There are great doctors who are part of this movement. Uh, they're part of our healthcare co-op. They're all going to be against making the difficult choices we need to make to actually make health care right in the state. And it starts with Medicaid expansion, which will be the big fight. 
and we already have Speaker Voss reiterating it's not going to happen. And by the way, because Walker did it in the most expensive way possible, everyone, the increase in education spending that everyone says they want uh, can le will be linked in this budget to whether or not we take the extra money for Badger Care, the Medicaid expansion. So the two most popular issues will be joined. And Tony Evers, this will this is the fight. This is the first huge fight coming up next year in the budget. And with that, we got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. This is in action. You can find us at SnapchatWI.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're debriefing the election, and um, we heard before the break uh, a couple of the top highlights. And uh, Robert, you you were talking about healthcare in particular. Um, uh, it will lead to my highlight, and that one of them is the Tammy Baldwin campaign. Period. Um, she started running two years ago and ran, and immediately embraced healthcare and embraced her support of single-payer health care, Medicare for All, and never wavered throughout the campaign, made it a centerpiece, um, worked with us and worked with other health care uh, folks around around the state uh, to make sure that this issue was set up. And, uh, and she had an actual track record as someone who, from the minute she came into uh, the Senate, uh, supported single-payer health care. And just the kind of person she was stood out, right? Just an honest person who, in, in just all the yuck and filth that was out there, um, she stood out. Uh, I think in the debates, a lot of people were frustrated because they felt she was maybe not as sharp as people would like, but she was herself, she was honest, she was Tammy Baldwin, and she was consistently. And that is one of the highlights. We are really fortunate to have her. Um, and uh, she, was a, she was ahead of the time. Uh, this this is the election of women and uh, women uh, LGBT and Tammy led the way years ago and showed that it's a winner for us and kudos to her and her whole campaign team. We're lucky to have her and she does show at the top of the ticket that this was a wave federally. This was a mandate against Trump and she won overwhelmingly and there was a ton of money spent against her. So that is one uh, that that is definitely one of the top takeaways. The other one is, I mean, quite frankly, you know, without talking about Evers, because it's huge, but I'll go to Josh Call. Um, we have not even begun to think about what we can do with an attorney general. We started to have that conversation on the podcast a while ago. There are some amazing things attorney generals are doing around the country. And um, Evers will be constrained by the legislature. Uh, the attorney general and Josh will not. And he actually may be one of the bright spots where we can uh, do some amazing thing as progressives. It was great to hear the first thing he said out of the box was he was going to work with Evers to pull out of the lawsuit uh, and really work on health The Affordable Care Act lawsuit that Correct. would abolish, uh, uh, re-legalize pre-existing addition discrimination. Right, yes. which is very exciting that he said that immediately, uh, that he would do that. And he also said that he would start to really look at the way uh, consumers are being taken advantage of and, and, and predatory uh, practices of corporations, which is exactly where we need to go. So those are my top two. Um, I want us to talk about missed opportunities. I'll lead us off. Can I nope, just say go, one more, go. One yeah, more quick highlight? Because we would be remiss if we did not mention Mandela, Mandela Barnes, yeah. who is now going to be our mm -hmm. lieutenant governor, Citizen Action Co-op member, Working Families member. Party yep. board yep. member, but board member of both organizations. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you know, I put a post on Facebook the other night, but you know, the story of Mandela is one that primaries matter. 
and supporting Mandela in his primaries, including this latest one for lieutenant governor, and he's outspent when a lot of folks in the Democratic Party stayed out. It matters. And Tony Evers would not have been elected were it not for Mandela. I truly believe that. Uh, the second thing is building a base matters and supporting someone like Mandela, who was a faith organizer and then a state representative and then went to go work, you know, on, on progressive issues at State Innovation Exchange. And now, you know, is it ran for lieutenant governor in the primary, won that primary and now has won and is going to be lieutenant governor is lieutenant governor elect is huge. And I think that is like a really important story as well. And, you know, Mandela, the entire race, stayed true to his values, true to the progressive values that we all share. And I just... Um, that is a huge win, um, not just for Democrats, but for progressives. And he is the first black man elected to statewide office in the state of Wisconsin. He is very young. He is very progressive. The entire country is really thrilled and excited about Mandela. And so we, yeah. I just want to put that out into the universe. Yeah. Robert. And one other thing, since this is positive, is positive. That is to say, Tony, uh, 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 as Matt pointed out, uh, Tammy Baldwin ran a very positive campaign. So did Tony Evers. Tony Evers was, they were both much more Wisconsin nice at the top of the ticket. Whereas what the Walker and Vukmir campaigns and their dark money groups did was just disgusting. And quite frankly, the right wing in this country has now gotten to a politics of personal destruction. And then they have the audacity to be all upset and up in arms that they're being attacked on an issue like pre-existing conditions, which they've repeatedly tried to re-legalize discrimination there. And it's a, it's a serious issue that was motivating voters, as opposed to trying to make it look like Tony Evers is some sort of child molester in schools, which is what the whole Republican Party mail program was freaking about. We should just point out that NICE won this time, and that's great. There was some stuff on the issue side, on, our, on the Democratic side, that was more in the hardball, politics of personal destruction, but that was not done by the campaigns, and it was not even dominant in voters' minds. So we're going to take just a very brief time, one missed opportunity, and I'm going to start with a missed opportunity by actually it's another positive, but it led to a missed opportunity. A huge positive is we had so many Citizen Action members and, and people around the state run for office for the first time, take on incumbents, and run really hard. Do everything you'd want, right? Um, get properly trained, prepare yourself, and then go work and do amazing field campaigns. And I want to uh, particularly point out, you know, here in Milwaukee, the campaigns, well, obviously Vining winning, but Julie Henze, Emily Segrist, Liz Sumner, uh, Gabriel Gomez, what they did, Chris um, Ralph up uh, north of here, uh, Erica Flynn, just amazing stuff. Aaron Madison, they almost every one of them, I went and looked at the numbers, outperformed numbers that we've ever done. Some of them, uh, Liz Sumner, like 14 points better than previous. Chris Rolfe, 10 points. Everyone better. And I went last night and looked deep in the numbers of Henzi. Julie Henze outperformed Tony Evers in every ward, I believe. There might have been one, which tells you how hard they're working, right? That uh, state legislative candidate outperforms uh, Tony Evers is amazing. And it's, uh, it, it, so. And I think we're going to see similar things with Emily Segrist and other candidates. And so what that tells you is, one, there's something big happening in some of these suburbs, but also really good candidates who go out and work really hard and go have those contacts with the voters are critical. So this gets to my missed opportunity. We obviously did not pick up the kind of seats we would have liked in the legislature. Gerrymandering's a part of that, but we left votes on the table. You know, southwestern Wisconsin went blue again up to the top of the ticket, not 
anywhere down again. We were unable to pull through, and it's not to blame anyone on there, but we got to figure that out. Evers overperformed in the suburbs. She, he beat Mary Burke by 17,500 votes. I think all of the candidates running for office on our side down ballot yep. played a critical role. And Absolutely. so even if Julie Henze didn't pull out the race, she helped elect Tony Evers. Oh, there's no doubt in these numbers. Running ahead everywhere. I want to say she did 3% better than Evers. Uh, we're talking thou- over, well over thousands of votes, more uh, over a thousand votes more than Evers in, in her race. Well, you know, Randy Bryce did so much for this. I mean, he served this country as a veteran, but, you know, I feel as if he truly served our country again and running for office. And it was a tremendous sacrifice. And Robert was talking about the slash and burn politics of the Republicans. Um, But even if it weren't so negative, even if they didn't go completely beyond the pale, which they did, running for office generally for a seat this high profile, this competitive is a tremendous sacrifice. It's time away from your kid. It's no time to yourself. It's you run ragged all over the country all over the district and you know he really killed himself um for the last year and a half um because he truly believes in the things that he ran for and the things that he you know as a cancer survivor as someone whose mother suffers with illness you know single payer is something he did, it's not a talking point for him it's something he truly believes and fires him up to do this like impossible thing which is run against the speaker of the house and let's not forget that when randy decided to run it wasn't against a generic republican it was against paul ryan so he knew exactly what he was getting into and exactly what he was doing. And, you know, I think we all owe him a tremendous debt of gratitude for elevating the issues he did, galvanating uh, progressives across the country when we needed it most and running a real race. And I do not believe that Tony Evers would have won were it not for Randy running such a strong race in that congressional district, just as we talked about all the Citizen Action Co-op members down ballot as well. We Absolutely. outperformed in Kenosha. And that's right in the, in the heart of that district. So it's right there. That, and furthermore, I just want to agree with you. Randy was a real person. I mean, the kind of person that ought to represent people in Congress. You know, if you really believe in Mr. Smith goes to Washington, kind of American iconography. And so what they did to him was horrendous, attacked his family, divided his family, said awful things about him. And then they elected this blow-dry Ryan lookalike from Ryan's staff, who, who did a whole bunch of outsourcing, was his career, uh, who looked good on TV. Uh, just... And the district was just too gerrymandered. It was gerrymandered to protect Paul Ryan. So it's a shame. I was hoping that it could overcome that and we could actually send Mr. Bryce to Washington. But regardless, what Randy did was heroic and fantastic. Yeah, I mean, obviously, gerrymandering is one of the huge takeaways. It was really proven both in those House races, right, where you look at Baldwin, 55%, and yet not not even remotely sniffing any any victories in the House seats and then in, in the state legislature. I believe it's 54% of people who voted in the state legislature voted for Democrats. Uh, Democrats will have 35% of the seats. So that is the power of gerrymandering. And uh, before we go to break, um, Voss was suggesting somehow that there wasn't a mandate here and that mm-hmm. they were going to try to strip powers of the governor. Shame on them. Voss holds his power due to gerrymandering. These were statewide electoral margins against massive amounts of money and an incumbent in Governor Walker. It is a mandate, and uh, shame on them. And that's the next big fight, lame duck session. It's bad. And with that, we got to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. 
We are very, very excited to have our next guest. That is Robin Vining, who, as of yesterday, late yesterday, won her state assembly seat, the only Democratic pickup this cycle in a very challenging maps, as we talked about. Robin, thanks so much for joining us to talk about your huge win. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So tell our listeners um, exactly what happened and how, how this victory came about. Uh, the, the numbers were updated yesterday. That is that is my understanding. So <laughs> that's where we are. <laughs> so so officially uh, on election night, we all went to bed and it looked like you had a narrow defeat by I believe what twenty one votes. Was that right? And 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 Wauwatosa has since changed their numbers. That has you winning by over a hundred votes. Is that correct? That's correct. So. Uh, yes. Well, that's yes. super super awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how this victory came about? Well, a lot of hard work. <laughs> um, I'd say you, we don't beat, a candidate doesn't beat gerrymandering, a community does. And um, it's been a tremendous amount of hard work by a lot of people. And I think um, it would probably be fair to say I don't even know all of the people who were involved in the hard work of this win. So um, I'm incredibly grateful, and I'm also, I feel very in touch with my community. I feel like we won this together, and that is absolutely the best way to win. Uh, Robin, one of the, you know, you ran such a tenacious campaign. You knocked on every single door. Um, Did it matter if it was dark? Did it matter if it was raining? Did it matter if there were volunteers, if you're by yourself? Super, super tenacious. And one of the things that I admired most about your candidacy is that you had a very clear vision of how you were going to run your race. And that included the issues you were going to talk about, how you were going to talk about them. It also included who you were going to talk to, that it wasn't going to be politics as usual in terms of what you know some of us in the business called targeting, but that you were going to really make sure that you talked to as many people in your community as possible, that you weren't going to overlook anyone. Um, and you did that with you know your tenacity with an army of volunteers. You know, we with the Working Families Party were like really honored to endorse you, and we were so grateful that you wanted our endorsement because we just really believe in you. Um, and we were really happy to, to, you know, do a canvas for you and, and all the things we could. I mean, you, we just like are really, really excited this morning. Um, but one of the things I want to ask you is like, can you talk a little bit about, you know, th- what I just mentioned, you know, how you messaged, how, you know, who you talked to in terms of your targeting, not, not as a way to, to brag, but as a guidepost for us, as we kind of think about how candidates need to run, um, you know, two years from now. And as we kind of like pull together and try to figure out our next steps. Sure. Um, this is going to come on a really tired brain. Um, (laughs) but I would say the method is the message and that's my starting point. So the method is the message. It, Whatever we do, it's however we do it, it's got to line up with what we're saying and what we're saying we're all about. And I care about people. And so our, our campaign had to be about being with people and loving people and listening to people and really hearing people and making sure that we were caring about the things that people cared about. This is the people's house that, we're, that I was running for. It is um, the closest to the people. <laughs> to be with people. One of the things I know you're so tired. I I almost felt bad asking you to be on the podcast this morning, but we're so excited. Um, You know, one of the things that like we talked about, I think a couple weeks ago, that wild attack mailer 
um, from the Koch brothers that went out against you um, that highlighted. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, which one? Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about some of the attacks? No, she didn't get that (laughs) one, thankfully. Yeah. But, um, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what you faced on the other side? Maybe a little bit. I um, I mean, there were mailers almost every day, and my team, we got to a point where they tried to field them without while protecting me from them. I know that part of the purpose of those mailers is to try to shake me, to rattle me, to get me off message, to break me. I mean, they were attacking on all kinds of things, and they were, atta- I mean, blatant lies, but they were attacking to shake me and rattle me and break me. My job was to stay focused on the mission, and um, I just had to keep thinking the mission is the mission, and the mission is caring for people, and that's how I stayed focused, yeah, and I chose not to go negative. I didn't think that the people of the district needed any ounce of negativity more, and again, the method is the message, so if I'm telling you that this is who I am and what I'm about, but I'm not behaving in the way that in a way that lines up with that, then um, that's inauthentic. And I really wanted the people to know who I am. And I wanted to give them politics not as usual. And I wanted to give them, I really wanted to cast a vision that politics does not have to be this way. We can change the public discourse and we can win doing it. Yeah. Well, Robin, we really want to thank you for running. We think the way you ran, the way Julie Henze ran, the way Christine oh, Rolfe, yeah. Erica Flynn, Liz Sumner, mm-hmm. Emily Segrist, y'all went out, you prepared yourself, and then you ran aggressive field campaigns, and you went and talked to voters, like you said. You d- it wasn't just negative uh, mailers. It was actually going out, and other people were inspired by you, including our a lot of our members, and we were out knocking doors for Julie and you, and we could feel it out there. There was there was something special going on, and you all, we believe, I looked in some initial numbers, I know Julie outperformed governor, uh, our new governor, Evers, which is telling me that you, you all helped create the wave. You were moving voters up the ticket and actually helping folks up the ticket in addition to helping yourselves and of course, running amazing campaigns. And we're talking in your district for voters who don't, our listeners who don't know, 43% of the vote last cycle. Uh, and to win that seat, that is a major shift. And you are to be truly congratulated. And all of the amazing people that ran in the Milwaukee suburbs uh, did amazing work. So thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. Well, I, I, I want to join the choir on the women that you just mentioned, they did incredible work. Julie is phenomenal. I could feel the electricity that she was creating. Um, I, I could speak endlessly about Julie Henze and her tenacity and her kindness and her love for people. And um, and I, I love a woman whose ferocity is matched by her compassion and kindness and focus and strength and mission. And, um, and all of those women, they worked so hard and they absolutely pushed up the ticket. That was a collective effort. The work at the, work at the bottom fed the, the wind at the top, um, not to take away from the work at the top, but it's both and. Every one of those women you listed should be very, very proud that they stayed true to who they are. They ran races that they they ran really strong races and they serve the state of Wisconsin with the way that they did it. I'm really grateful to live life alongside them. Absolutely. And you just, you see it in the numbers and people are going to go and dive in, but there are so many lessons to be learned uh, from the way uh, you all ran, ran your races. And you're just the first, 
you're the tip of the iceberg uh, in next election cycle. There will be more people elected out of the Milwaukee area and other parts of the state. There's other areas. So congratulations. We're thrilled uh, you took the time to join us. We know you're exhausted. Thank you so much, Robin. Yeah, thanks to working families and thanks to Citizen Action. Uh, this, you know, it's a very small vote margin. We, we couldn't have done it without every single piece of, of the campaign. And so thank you for being part of it and for motivating us and partnering. And thank you. Well, we look forward to uh, governing with you in the future. Thank you so much, Robin. All right. Have a great day. You too. It's really great that Robin took the time to join us today because she really symbolizes the work of a lot of other people. Uh, Very inspiring work uh, this cycle, uh, Rebecca. Yeah, and I, w- I would just be remiss if I did not mention the work of the the Working Families Party, and in particular my colleagues uh, on the governor's race. We, you know, with not all the resources we should ever have, um, we definitely deserve and need more. But with what we had, we built a huge volunteer program, and it was throughout the state, you know, whether it was starting with the Wisconsin Choice Project, which we worked on with our revolution, um, going around the state doing house parties, forums, uh, watch parties, you know, really engaging folks around issues to post-primary, the Working Families Party just going all in for Tony and Mandela and really building one of the largest volunteer programs in the state. And we knocked on 10, like over 12,000 doors, I think, by the end of the day. I still am waiting for, like, final numbers from folks and, you know, had thousands and thousands of ideas. I mean, through the text program, through phone banking. It was really remarkable. And, and people worked really, really hard. And I just want to mention them by name. Um, obviously, Aaron Shapiro, who managed that project for over a year through lots of challenges and hurdles. Fabi Maldonado, who is also a county supervisor from Racine, who's a tenacious organizer and just so full of positivity. And then um, a bunch of other folks from the Working Families Party. Um, Biola, who came all the way out from D.C. to to help us win this and bring it home. Um, Maria Langholz, who was on the Wisconsin Choice Project for many months, um, helping us, you know, bring that together and so many other folks. So anyway, I just want to mention that people worked really hard and I think it shows the power of building community and a new type of politics. And I hope that that is something that people take away from this election and that we can build even more. We have one more segment. Jeff Smith's going to join us, but Rebecca has got to go. Yes. And we want to obviously want to thank you for joining us today. I know it's uh, been an exhausting stretch. We've all been working nonstop here for weeks. Um, But anyways, great work, uh, Rebecca, and the whole Working Families team. But with that, we are Citizen Action. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. So we're really excited to be joined by our, we can now say it, former organizer, Jeff Smith. He won his big, big contest for state Senate last uh, on Tuesday night. Jeff, thanks for joining us. I sure appreciate it. On a high note, we're yeah. here. Hell yeah, Jeff. This is super exciting. Uh, so tell us what, you know, Tell us what it feels like to be uh, a state senator, and then tell us what you think the keys were to winning your race. Well, I might exemplify the long haul of these eight, past eight years of having lost in the wave of Tea Party, having been gerrymandered uh, into a Republican district, um, and can, but continue to keep active and, and uh, until now the moment has come when my chance to come back has happened and as well as 
Wisconsin, you know. So now we're, we're Tony Evers and myself, and and we're moving in the right direction. I am so excited about this. Uh, the results, I can't tell you. Well, Jeff, and I joined you for the, for the final four days, but your campaign was marked by, you know, and this is not a surprise to anyone who knows you, but an aggressive field campaign. If you were a voter in that district, um, you were going to get a knock from you. Uh, tell us a little more about that and how you think that was uh, critical toward towards your victory. Well, that is the key. I mean, it was, uh, it was showed in the numbers. When we start to break down the numbers now, the last couple days we are all we can see that where we put most of our efforts in the into the villages and cities we did really well and we still struggle in the very rural townships where the doors are so far apart so uh, it's obvious that if you don't knock on doors and if you're not aggressively out there um, and talking to voters one-on-one you're going to struggle winning elections so that's that's the key for us, and, and I will continue to press that. And, Jeff, I think we're going to see this in the numbers. I was doing some initial look. Um, it's It was still pretty rough for Democrats in rural parts of Wisconsin. There is a the, the trend that we saw developing in 2016 does appear to still be taking hold. Wausau was uh, still very challenging. Allison Leahy, which is the city of Wausau, mostly you know lost by 10 points. Um, and you you actually stand in contrast to that and your ability to to sort of fight back against that. And I think your field effort and the kind of relationship you develop with voters is 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 central to that. Yeah, it was pointed out to me by uh, somebody who follows these things that I'm the only Democrat that outperformed the expectations of a Democrat in the state. So again, I can't say enough about how important it is to be available, uh, knocking on doors, and making that uh, attempt, at least, to be one-on-one with voters and turning them around. Yeah, and I think you're the only Senate candidate that won that did that, but that's crucial, Jeff. I mean, great great kudos on that. And also, you're the bulwark on the urban-rural divide. It's seeming like the urban-rural divide got worse. And so what is your sense of that? You've thought about this a lot. You've been in big national meetings with us on the whole issue and how we need to build uh, a legitimate rural base. Uh, What's your sense of what's going on out there in general? And do we just need more people to run like Jeff Smith in other districts? Is that that partly what we're talking about here? And and what does that mean? I appreciate the question, Robert, because we can also compare how I did in the rural parts of my district compared to an assembly candidate that was somewhat disappointing as he ran away from progressive um, uh, politics. While I was in full force sending people my mail program that illustrated my support for progressive politics and progressive issues, it, people don't need two conservatives on the ballot. They need two choices on the ballot. And so I think we're, we're also demonstrating that. You don't. You do not have to run away from progressive um, values to win, even in rural areas. Yeah, Jeff. That was um, as someone who did some doors in that area. It was noticeable on the literature that I was handing out between your literature and 
you you were very clear and upfront about your issues, all very progressive, right? And including full legalization, right? Other things, healthcare, 15. Whereas the other, you know, we had a candidate running who was essentially talking about people over party, which, you know, nobody's necessarily against that, but it, it doesn't have the same resonance and clarity that it sends to people and motivates them. So you're to be commended for, for, the, for being very honest about who you are. And by the way, you know, Julie Henze, we, we mentioned Julie here, Julie Henze ran in a suburban, what was previously considered to be totally conservative district on single payer healthcare. Um, and I think was almost rewarded for it. So uh, I totally agree with what, what you're saying about that. Yeah, uh, Jeff, let me just ask you, you know, rural places are hurting. Matt was sort of surprised when he was out there helping you about how it looks. It seems like if you're just going to be the anti, you're just going to be against urban areas, then you can vote for Republicans as it is, that the way the Democrats can do this is to be the populist party that actually wants to do things to revitalize this area, use state government democracy to rebuild, to do economic development, to invest in these areas, and that you have to do a kind of a very activist vision in order to appeal against uh, the, the Republican vision, because they can just go there if they want to just say, we're different and we hate those urban areas. We can do it, Robert. Um, we we showed it. We showed how you do how you do it. Now we just have to convince some of the consultants out there, and definitely the candidates, that you can be yourself. You can you can embrace our values, and then run a really aggressive campaign, and you can win. So Jeff, you're uh, headed to Madison, I believe, and uh, the Democratic Caucus is going to get together and start to structure itself. What um, what would you like to see? What's going to be your advice to them as to what the Senate Democrats uh, ought to be focusing on and their role, uh, given we, you know, we'll still be in the minority, uh, but we do have a, a Democratic governor now to, to hopefully work w- work with in tandem. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, it's my first meeting with, with the Senate um, caucus, and I'm going to uh, politely listen and uh, try to get a real grip on the dynamics of the caucus and personalities. I know some, of course, already, but that said, considering we are in the minority in both houses, but we have now have a Democratic governor, I think the clear, most important thing that this governor is going to be able to accomplish for us is how we redistrict in 2021. I am so... I am pumped about that and, and continuing and I've been pushing that already with interviews I've done since Tuesday night so this is probably the one issue that the Republicans are not going to be able to run away from our control anymore so we I think um, the 2022 election for sure if not 2020 is going to look a lot different yeah Jeff uh, to that point um, 54% of voters on Tuesday night voted for Democrats in state legislative races, and Democrats will have 60 or 35% of the representation in the legislature uh, next January. So that is profound in its uh, gerrymandering. Yeah, it was so evident in the fact that for the first time since 1972, Democrats hold all the statewide constitutional offices in Wisconsin, and yet we still can't win in the gerrymandered districts. Obviously, it's working. Hey, Jeff, as a senator-elect, how concerned are you that the outgoing 
Senate and Assembly are about to try to take away Tony Evers' powers and do other things they can't get done after in a lame duck session. What are your thoughts on that? Well, how obvious, how much more obvious can they get? <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were, they've been fine for eight years of handing over power, handing over power, handing over power, which I was against. And I, and they're, and at least they're right about that. They did too much, but the uh, purpose for them to take it away now is way too obvious. And I think we really need to, we really need to hammer them on that. that. Yeah, it was fine for you, but now it's not fine for someone else. So. I am torn on this, of course, the politics of it. I, I see that. But on the other hand, yes, we ought to be returning power to the people and power to the legislature. So the difference, I think, is, and this is what people hate about politics, your position is consistent. You want to figure out how we redistrict regardless. You want to figure out what is the proper balance for any party, whoever has control, let's say you're the governor, uh, between the legislative and executive branches. They want to increase it when it's, when it's their guy in and then reduce it when the other guy is in. And that's what people hate about politics. And the other side of that is how short-sighted it is when, when we have politicians pass legislation to favor themselves. And I think people start to see through that, too. All the policies that we've seen have been so short-sighted without the idea that, or without the, without the thought that um, down the road it's going to hurt them. Well, Jeff, we want to thank you for running. We want to thank you for building the Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative, which will now hopefully... Uh, go on and, and, and support you and your efforts in the legislature and all progressives. But, uh, of course, want to thank you for winning this election and, and, and joining us today. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. I appreciate all of your support and, and uh, the continued partnership that we will have moving forward. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, have a great day in Madison, uh, and uh, I'm sure you'll learn a lot. We look forward to talking more with you down the road. All right. Thank you. And with that, we have to wrap up this edition of the Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank all of our members who got out and volunteered. We had so many, many, many. I believe we did over. We're still finishing the tabulations, but over well over 30,000 doors, door knocks. We did tens of, tens of thousands of, of phone calls, almost 100,000 texts, a whole bunch of activity. Thank you so much. Thanks to all our members who ran for state legislature. Uh, Mandela, Sarah at the top of the ticket. We thank you all, and we look forward to governing as we go forward. Uh, and with that, we're the Battleground Wisconsin, and we'll see you in two weeks. So good morning. This is Brian, the producer of the podcast. You don't hear from me very often, but today I'm in front of a mic talking about the upcoming Brewfest fundraiser for Citizen Action. And I've got Robert Craig here in front of me. We're going to talk a little bit about what will happen at the Brewfest. Robert? Glad you asked, Brian. This is one of the most fun progressive events of the year, and we've been doing it for 10 years now. It is a fundraiser around for social justice, for building power around beer and good beer. We have union beer, we have locally sourced beer, and a lot of different progressives, activists, and leaders uh, 
turn out for it. And we'll have it right after the election on November 19th. So hopefully we'll have some great election victories to celebrate. But if you want to come down and, and have some beers, talk about what we're going to do once we have a piece of governing power, which we're going to have after this election, knock on wood, please come to our Brewfest fundraiser. And Brian, let everyone know when and where it is. Okay, it's Monday, November 19th, 5 to 8 p.m. at the Coakley Brothers 400 South 5th Street building in Walker's Point in Milwaukee, just a few blocks away from the Citizen Action headquarters. And we will be having finger food and there's free parking. And of course, we'll have the ever popular silent auction. Do you want to talk about some of the options at the silent auction? I want people to come and outbid me because I'm going to end up bidding. I shouldn't win all of the silent auction prizes or a good portion of them as the director of the organization. But all I got to say, because we got bunch of election work to do before we get to the Brewfest fundraiser is cheers everyone and I want to have a nice toast with all of you on November 19th 5 to 8 p.m. at Brothers Interiors 400 South 5th Street in Walker's Point. See you there.